What's going on, everybody? This is Brooks, your host of the Sports of the Wizards Junkies podcast, brought to you by the Sports Post Network. I'm here with Ian Evans. Ian, why don't you uh, say what's up to the people, man? How's it going? Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Yeah, man, I got my first two-time guest here today for the podcast. But uh, let's get this started, man. First and foremost, um, my first question for you is just your thoughts on Bradley Bill's development and his development as a leader as well. You know, I mean, Bradley Bill's gone through a lot and, you know, his, you know, his time with the Wizards and, you know, him resigning, you know, that Supermax to be back with them was huge. And, you know, he's obviously developed into a, a leader for the squad, obviously with, you know, John Wall's, you know, injuries in, in the past and, you know, this past season, he's, you know, came, coming to his own. I mean, we talked about it earlier on the podcast, on your podcast that um, he's, he's eclipsed 30 points per game. And, you know, that's Harden type numbers. And he could have eclipsed Harden this year. You know, John, I mean, not John Wall, Bradley Bill has, in, in a sense, taken on this role as a leader, finding ways to adapt to his personnel, finding ways to, you know, score off the dribble, score and playmate, because, you know, he basically has to do almost everything for his squad right now. But, you know, Bradley Bill, you know, obviously, I think, I, like I've been saying, I think he just needs to control his composure. I mean, there's times where he scored 40, 50 points of games and losses, and, you know, he's been rightfully so angry about it. But, you know, finding ways to utilize his, you know, talent, utilize, you know, the, the squad and, you know, find ways to not only, you know, tr transfer that into wins and produce wins for the squad, but obviously, you know, becoming a guy that can be a, a veteran leader to mentors like, you know, guards like Gary Payton and Ish Smith and, and all those other type of, granted, Ish Smith is a, a veteran guard, but, you know, finding ways to, you know, utilize every, every person's strengths and weaknesses and transfer them into wins. And I believe, you know, Bradley Beal, obviously, you know, stepping into this role as the primary ball handler and honestly primary defender on, you know, the best guards in the game, he stepped into it in, in an incredible way. And it shows in the stats and even the intangibles to, you know, everything off the court. And I love seeing it. And when John Wall comes back, I really think that, you know, Bradley Bill is still going to be that primary guy and seeing, you know, John Wall as the number two guy, kind of like a Russ and James Harden situation. James Harden, like Bill, is going to be the number one guy while John Wall and Russell Westbrook are going to be the number two guy. Now, moving on to that leadership aspect of his, um, you know, the lead, the Last Dance, great documentary on ESPN is talking about, or they had that segment about Michael Jordan and his leadership and how, you know, people aren't don't think of him as a nice guy, but everything he did helped them win. Everything he did, he didn't do it without him being able to do that. You know, um, you think of these harsh leaders like Jordan and Kobe who were able to win six and five championships respectively. And then you think of leaders like LeBron James, someone who's passive aggressive, but he knows how to get the best out of you, Damian Lillard, someone who he knows where to pick his spots, you know, with someone like, let's say, CJ McCollum, he knows that he can be harsh with him and he's not going to take offense. But someone else on that team, he's going to need an encouraging hand. Do you, where do you see Bradley Bill fitting, fitting into that skill right now? Um, you know, I see Bradley Bill in, in terms of, 
based on the personnel he has to work with, I think, you know, he kind of has to play a little harshly. Not necessarily Jimmy Butler harsh, because, I mean, Jimmy Butler was playing with guys, you know, in the Minnesota Timberwolves that, you know, had the skill, had the talent, but weren't taking it seriously. I think these guys in the Wizards are taking it seriously. It's just they're not as talented as some of these other NBA squads. But, sure. you know, with Bradley Beal, I think it's more of a, I'm going to push these guys to do hard and I'm going to push them to a point where it, it not only elevates their game, but it elevates my game as well. I'm going to obviously be a leader that utilizes every single person's role on the team to a point where they feel welcomed and still want to play for the Wizards instead of, I want to leave. I want to do my own thing. I believe Bradley Beal's role as a leader also is more, I guess, it's more unorthodox because some sometimes you don't, you don't really see it. Like with MJ, you see it. With Kobe, you see it. With Jimmy Butler, you see it. With Braun, you see it. Uh, you see them directing. You see them, you know, literally grabbing people by the jerseys and telling them where they need to be on the court. But with Bradley Beal, I think it's more of, you know, in timeouts where he shines. And, you know, obviously, I think he allows people to, to play their game on the court. And he literally allows, you know, Bradley Beal allows the game to come to him. And I really think that's where he shines. Obviously, you know, there's times where, you know, he creates his own shots and, you know, allow, you know, takes the game over but even when like when he creates his own like when he from times when he creates his own shot to times when he allows the game to come to him he still you still he will still find a way to score like this man is a walking bucket we know this but it's not necessarily people don't like playing with him i think that's not the case at all i think it's just that there is i guess a little bit of limbo with john wall and bradley bill and there's you know headlines saying can john wall i mean is are the wizards better without you know, John Wall or, you know, should the Wizards dump John Wall or Bradley Beal? I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that there was a sense of uh, a loss of identity. And I think Bradley Beal can be that identity for this team and that comes with his leadership. Um, John Wall's on track to return for next season. Do you think, you know, there will, there will be any type of friction going on between them as leaders? Or do you think, you know, their relationship has grown far enough to really not have to worry about leadership and, having two guys that are alphas on the court? Um, friction, I'm, I don't know if there would be necessarily friction, but I believe that J um, John Wall's role will be diminished uh, to where it was, I mean, before, you know, he got injured. I mean, I don't think he'll be, you know, obviously I think he'll be a primary ball handler, but I guarantee you Bradley Beal's going to be the one doing the more, more of the scoring while John Wall is going to be doing more, more of the playmaking. It's kind of like a, a Russell Westbrook, James Harden situation where you have Russ as the more athletic guard, great playmaker, knows where he has to be on the floor, but can mm -hmm. also get his shots. While James Harden, you know, is a guy that obviously is an incredible scorer, can create his own shot, and is the main, you know, point of offense for the Rockets. I see that in a sense for the Wizards. When John Wall comes back, he's an athletic guy, 360, you know, layups, but can still score, can still dish, and, you know, puts his playmaking on display. But when you look at, you know, Bradley Beal, I mean, like we said on the um, the first ever, you know, episode, Bradley Beal was very close to eclipsing Harden in points per game. I mean, this this that's a staple in and of itself. And John Wall hasn't gotten that close. So I think, you know, if you're Scott Brooks, you know, it's making sure Bradley Beal is the focus on offense, but still make sure John Wall gets the attention he deserves by, make, by playmaking and, you know, getting to his spots. So basically, you know, kind of keep it as it was, but then also realize that, you know, some things are going to have to basically be toned down for John Wall and to bring him back slowly. Would you agree with that? 
Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree. I mean, let's. I mean, I, I had a kind of a quarrel to pick with people who thought that they should have gotten rid of one or the other. I mean, I get it. I understand you want to get more stars there, but definitely, like you're saying, I mean, I think you know you you tone down John Wall's role on the squad. You know, before like, I mean, let's look at it this way. In twenty, I think twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, the Wizards went to um, you know the playoffs, lost to the Celtics when you know it went off for um, I mean that that game after his um, sister died was inc- I mean you know he put on an incredible display but I mean John Wall was mainly the focus of attack on that offense and Bradley Beal was the two guy I think it's I think it flips after this like he's like in the question you pose I think John Wall you know obviously he's still you know everyone who comes back from an injury has to somehow get into it slowly but surely but then I think they're going to realize that you know if it produces wins which I think it will Bradley Beal, I think, has to be that point of attack, you know, on offense and having a two guy like Wall come back is, I mean, I think it um, adds icing on the cake, really. So, yeah, I don't think there would necessarily be friction. Um, I think friction is more, um, and granted, it, the, the rumors been diminished, but there was still some friction to begin with. But with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, I think that's more friction than, you know, John Wall and uh, Bradley Beal coming back and playing together. Now, speaking of Donovan Mitchell, man, Twitter the other day had to, you know, had that, had had the world talking a little bit, I guess you could say, with another bench cut start um, question for basketball Twitter. They had, they had it with Donovan Mitchell, of course, Bradley Bill, and then Devin Booker. Now, who would you start? Who would you bench? And who would you cut? It's a tough one. I mean, I love I love um, seeing the start benching cuts on Twitter and, you know, the social medias. And even those, like, build your players with the $5, $4, all that. I love it. But sure. uh, this, one's, um, this one's big. And um, some people will disagree with this. Some people will agree with it. But I think you start Bradley Beal. I mean, especially after the year he's had this year, I think you definitely have to start Bradley Beal. I mean, 30 points a game. Um four rebounds, roughly six, I mean, just a little over six assists per game. This man is is a um, a, a walking bucket, literally, simple as that. Um, I start Bradley Beal not only because he can give you – he can give you both efficiency on the offensive and defensive sides of the floor. Granted, Bradley Beal is not the number one defender, but when it comes to defending guards, you know, he holds his own. I mean, we've seen, you know – granted, you know, LeBron can, you know, get – you know, to his spots forever. But, you know, Bradley Beal has still held his own against guys like Braun in the, in the past. But I definitely have to start Bradley Beal. I'm benching. I am benching Devin Booker, meaning I have to cut down the bench, and I'll explain why. Yes, please De- do. Devin Booker is a walking bucket. This man has scored – his career high is the highest of all three of these guys with 70. This man consistently, consistently averages 25-plus a game. This man has an incredible stroke. Defensively, he struggles a little bit. But, I mean, when you're talking about a guy that – I'm not, I'm not cutting a guy that has once scored 70 points a game. And if you're cutting a guy that scored 70 points a game, I really don't know what to say to you. But, I mean, I, st- I, mean, I start Bradley Beal because he does it on both the offensive and defensive sides of the floor. I bench Devin Booker because he can come off the bench and give you the scoring that you need. I'm cutting Donovan Mitchell because simply – one, he doesn't I mean in terms of these three guys, he doesn't score as much as they do. He is a little bit better on the defensive side than both of them. But for a guy that I, I just don't see, I, I can't cut a dude that scores 30 points per game and over 25 points per game and then 
and then cut and then and start, you know, a guy that doesn't average 25 a game. I, I mean, I know I'm speaking more on the offensive side, but I mean, granted, Donovan Mitchell, you know, can do on can do it on the offensive and defensive sides. But when you look at, you know, their efficiency on both sides and how well they do it, I, I really have to give it to, you know, Bradley Beal and, and Devin Booker. And it was close. I almost cut D book, but I just can't cut a guy that scored 70, I mean, 70 points in one game. Um, granted, the only, I mean, I, there's arguments against it. Like we know Donovan Mitchell has gone to the playoffs more. He's gone farther than these two or to, or for, you know, uh, actually to the same point as Bradley Beal. But Absolutely. in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, just efficiency wise, I really have to give it and consistency wise. I really have to give it to, you know, D book. And I, this, this is why I bench him. Man, my only my only qualm about that is the fact that Devin Booker hasn't been to the playoffs and we don't know what he can do. And we've seen what Deep Donovan Mitchell and, and Bradley Bill can do in the playoffs. Um if I had to pick a closer, if, if I had to pick someone who I know could close a game out, it would have to be Donovan Mitchell because we've seen what he can do closing out the games and he hasn't he hasn't hit a game winner. But you know he's he's fairly clutch. We know what he can do in those last four minutes of the game. I mean, I, I get that. It's just that we don't know what D book can do yet, because we don't. We, he doesn't have that supporting cast like Bradley Beal and you know Donovan Mitchell has had, have had. I mean, this year they had they brought in Michael Conley. Before that, you know, they still got Joe Ingles. They had um, a Crowder who's an, an incredible 3 and D guy. They still got def- two-time, and I think back-to-back, I think back-to-back, Defensive Player of the Year and Rudy Gobert. I mean, this this team was loaded. They had Ricky Rubio at one point, an incredible playmaker. Who has D. Book had to play with? I mean, sure, they're starting to get better now, but in the past, it's basically all been on him. I mean, you're not really going anywhere with Alex. Shout-out to the ex-Maryland Terrapin, but you're not really going anywhere if Alex Len is your starting center. You know what I mean? So, of course, he had to do all that. But... I think, obviously, you know, kind of answering the question, we don't know where he would be or what type of potential he would have in the playoffs, but I guarantee you put a, a defensive player of the year, a, a, an incredible veteran point guard, and three and, and a, an enormous amount of 3 and D guys, not to mention Royce O'Neal is on the team, a lot of 3 and D guys on that squad, I think the D-Book will be fine in the playoffs. But, I mean, that's that's another reason why. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's had an incredible supporting cast in, in the past, and that's why he's been able to succeed at this high level. Fair enough, fair enough. So let me let me switch it around a little bit for you. Um, recently, the NBA Players Association was given a, a survey by, I guess, the executive board to call it for the Players Association asking – if players would say yes or no to restarting the season, um, you know, we saw that a player group, you know, with some with guys like Steph Curry, uh, LeBron James voted yes. Um, you know, Larry Nance publicly said yes. Uh, my question to you is, would it be worth it for the Wizards to say yes to this and to continue the season? Um, I'm going to say yes, actually. And I know people are like, why they don't have a chance at the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. I think it helps in terms of, you know, looking toward the future. I think people need to look for, you know, the macro instead of the micro in the situation. Micro, obviously, it doesn't really work at all for the Wizards. In the macro, you can help your draft stock. You can have, you can have the draft stock lottery. You can help the lottery in general. 
I mean, it, you got to look at it in, in terms of how do you build, you know, past this season and playing out the season is actually very beneficial. I mean, I think what I think what they have, like the seventh or eighth pick in the draft, something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously they could utilize that to their advantage. But then, you know, playing out the season, seeing what Bradley Beal can do, seeing what he can do with not necessarily, obviously, you know, not superstar, superstar guys, hopefully can translate to wins. And then you obviously, you know, we've talked about it before, but the Wizards don't really do much in the offseason. But get John Wall back, like we talked about earlier in this episode. And, you know, you see what you can do. It's basically like a template to see what you can do in the future with, you know, some of these guys that are coming back. So I believe you should play it out if you're a Wizards fan. Granted, it doesn't look good in the micro. Obviously, you're not really going to do much. But in terms of what it could do for the, you know, the future, I think you, you should play it out to kind of like test the waters to see if Bradley Bill could work with this type of prospect we're looking at, or could Bradley Bill work with this, this role player like Gary Payton or, you know, Thomas Bryant, do their games work together based on what we're seeing with our prospects? I think you got to look at it in that sense, not necessarily, oh, let's, it's, it's obviously, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs to, it might, you know, translate into losses. I think you got to look at it in more of a personnel type of sense in terms of, you know, how, who should we pick to, you know, pair with wall coming back and Bradley Beal as the third option. And then, you know, obviously play it by ear, you know, with that in the off season. Right now, another thing that's been discussed, excuse me, is um, a playing tournament and, you know, possibly even stealing the playoffs, a playoff appearance, you know, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets are the seventh seed, I believe in the Eastern conference. Um, eighth seed, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but, you know, do you think this is a valid thing to look at? Do you think this is something that should even be in the short-term prospects for the Wizards? Um, if you're a Wizards fan, you love that. You know, you know, playing tourney. Um, obviously, you know, there's – like, let me put it in perspective. So, I think – I believe it was two or three years ago, the Magic – actually, the Heat lost their chance of getting into the playoffs – and actually, obviously, you know, they ended up losing to, I forgot who it was, uh, who the number one was, probably the Bucks. But um, you, you, look at, you look at stuff like that. They had a 40, both teams ended with a 41 and 40 run record. And the, I think, it, I, I believe, yeah, it was the Magic at eight and the Heat were at um, nine. And I believe the Magic got in because they both had a 41 and 41 record. And they actually, I think, split the season series. But because of the point differential, the Magic got it. Mm. And, you know, you look at stuff like that, it's like, man. Now, granted, they didn't have Jimmy Butler at the time. They were still dealing with, you know, Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow. But if you're a Heat fan, you're like, you can't, it can't go down to that. A playing tourney will work. If the Wizards found themselves in that type of situation, you're a Wizards fan, you'd be like, oh, I love it. However, I mean... I'm not a big fan of it, only because Drake once said in a song called 9 a.m. in Dallas, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. The theory is true. <laughs> <laughs> it okay. is as simple as that, man. You have yeah. 82 games to solidify your spot. You know what I mean? Granted, it will take a while. But when it comes down to the bitter end, if you simply don't got it, you don't got it. You know what I mean? You don't see people nice. in the NBA saying, oh, man. The Heat or the Magic would have would have at least taken the Bucks to six games. No, you only see that in football only because you can just speculate more in football and it's actually more yeah. you know unpredictable. 
But simple as that. If you ain't got it, you ain't got it. That's why I don't, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan, but I see why it'll be in consideration. To go off what you just said there, um, giving an example of of the Magic and the, and the Heat, I think it was the same season two seasons ago when um, who was it the the Timberwolves? Yeah, the Timberwolves, and I think the Nuggets. Yeah, the Timberwolves and the Nuggets. They were playing final game of the season for that eighth seed, and it, it came into basically like a, almost an instant classic with how great that game was. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler and, and those boys over there being able to close out that game against Jamal Murray and uh, and Nikola Jokic. And I feel like, you know, we are a fan base that's starving for sports and starving for that type of content. I feel like fan-wise, like you said, you would want, you would love to see that and you would love to see your favorite players, favorite teams continue to fight for that playoff spot, continue to fight for playoff glory. Um you know, and it, it it could help to add on to that legacy of of these players, this, that, and the third. But at the same time, that line that you just gave of Drake, not naming Dallas, if you don't got it, you don't got it. I completely understand that. But I feel like, you know, you always want to see these top players want to want to fight for those last seeds and show what type of heart they have. And I think that should be another contributing factor in there too. You know. Uh, not to mention the fact that you can earn more money for the team. You can add more stats for people. You know, like you said, we mentioned in the first podcast, Bradley Bill possibly catching up to, to, to James Harden for the scoring title. You know, you never know how many points Bradley Bill could have scored in order to lift the Wizards to a steal, a stealing playoff seed. So I think it's definitely a very valid thing to look at. Um, but... Yeah, if you don't got it, you don't got it. And that's the, something else to look at, too. I, I like yeah. that point that you gave. Um, that, just to clarify, actually, they actually didn't end with the same record. But they said if they um, – there was there was an ESPN story about it. If they did end with the same record, it would have gone down to point differential. At the end, obviously, the Magic ended up playing the, the Raptors in Kawhi. Um, they ended up getting the seven, and the Pistons ended up getting the eight. The, uh, he'd actually dropped the – I think three of the last five games and end up being a 10 seed. But still, if that is a, that's still a scenario that could happen. But yeah. All right. So let's, let's switch it around to uh, some of this quarantine content, man. You've seen Bradley Bill and his fiance Camille. They've been doing a lot of TikTok, a lot of the TikToks, a lot of the Instagram videos. Where do you rank that amongst just what these, some of these NBA players are doing and some of the sports people are doing right now? I think it's top two, and it's not two, man. I mean, hey. some of the some of the stuff they're doing is is not only like you gotta like let me let me let me let me run that back. What do they do? How do they do that? Like I, you got me standing up trying to do it, and I'm like, wait, I don't even got a boo. I don't even got a bait to do that with. So <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. It's um, it's top two, and it's not two. And the other two, I would give is you know to LeBron and you know his family what they're doing during quarantine. I mean, they obviously have uh, endless amount of entertainment around them. But what they're doing with, you know, them two and their son, it's not only it, – it, it gives you content for everyone. It gives you content for the girls that love the cute babies and, you know, family stuff. It gives you content for the NBA guys that, you know, NBA fanatics. Let me see what, you know, these shooting guards are, are doing in quarantine with their families. It gives you content for regular TikTok people that's trying to get famous. So I'm like, oh, let me do that now. Let me see 
like their dances that they're doing with the feet is unreal. I mean, like the, the little handshakes they got going, it's, 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 it's awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, it just shows you the wholesome content that can come with, you know, being quarantined with your family. And obviously we know LeBron's family and, you know, what they do, you know, on a daily basis, but, you know, seeing it in a different light from people that, you know, aren't considered the greatest of all time. It's awesome to see and definitely top, uh, top two and it's not too man. So who on the roster would you want to see doing something, something for TikTok, something for Instagram, something for Snapchat like that? Honestly, Thomas Bryant, man. And uh, I, I, th- I think he could use this time to his advantage. Obviously, you know, a lot of players are, you know, using this time to work on their game. But Thomas Bryant could really not only solidify his personality on, you know, social media or TikTok or whatever, but he could also find a way to, you know, like, if people don't know him, like, who is Thomas Bryant? He's a, you know, center for the Wizards. Look at his stats, you know, not only stats, but look at his highlights playing with the Wizards. Look at his highlights playing with Indiana. You know, it's stuff like that. I think he could make a big name for himself, obviously, off the court, as well as on the court. I think it can translate well after quarantine. I think, you know, if he establishes, you know, and shows his personality on social media, like TikTok, I think people will start to take notice, like, uh, it, it'll. It, I think it could benefit him in the end, and I kind of want to. I think he's just a funny guy in general, and I think he produced some great content. I agree with you, definitely, Thomas Bryant. He seems like a really goofy, silly guy in general. I, I, I of course, don't know him in person, but I feel like I get yeah, that yeah. vibe just from looking at him. I think another person who would really, really benefit from that is Rui, because yeah. you know Rui not only has the American fan base, but he has a whole country rooting for him in Japan. You know, I feel like, you know, that's something that he could be able to potentially, uh, you know, launch into some endorsement deals over there, really just endear himself to that community over there. Yeah, 100%. So, next question for you is, you know, going, continue on, continuing on with this topic. Right. Bradley Bill, he donates computers. He donates uh, giant gift cards to Ron Brown High School students. John Ball goes to North Carolina, donates N95 masks to healthcare workers. Um, you know, in your opinion, just how big has the, have these donations been from NBA players, from professional athletes to help the community, help the help their cities, you know, continue to fight this this epidemic and continue to just raise spirits. I mean, and, and we talked about it earlier in the episode. We talk about leadership, man. And obviously, you know, using your social stature, your power for good. And they're doing that. And I love to see it. I, I believe it's incredible what they're doing, whether it be, you know, donating, you know, the N95 masks to healthcare workers or, you know, the computers and giant gift cards like you were talking about. I think it's, it's awesome to see, you know, leadership doesn't just go on the court. It's also off the court stuff. I mean, you look at, I'm going to transition just quickly to, to football real quick and then right back. But, like, Tom Brady has been, you know, glorified for his leadership. And, you know, it goes on and off the court. I mean, off the court, off the court, off the field. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's invited his wide receivers to go out to his homes and, you know, to run routes and stuff like that in the offseason. You know, there's always finding ways to work, you know, uh, when they're not playing. And then, you know, he, always, he even has his foundations and his brand that, helped, that helps other causes as well. But transitioning back to, you know, basketball, especially in a time of need, I think it's it's amazing what John Wall and Bradley Beal are doing. And 
sometimes it does go unnoticed in a nationwide sense, but in the in the local sense, oh, people notice it. And you know, um, there's a movie called Evan Almighty, and where you know Steve Carell plays Evan, and you know Morgan Freeman plays God. Um, funny enough, but you know, <laughs> yeah. the, um, he asked, you know Evan asked him, "How do you change the world, or how do you go about that?" And you know, Morgan Freeman says, "One small act, one small random act of kindness at a time." And doing stuff like that, sure, it's not small. It's actually on a larger scale. But doing stuff like that, people notice it and inspires other people to do good too. So I think I think that's what leadership does. Leadership should inspire people to help others and become leaders in and of themselves. And seeing that happen, you you know, and taking the responsibility upon them to say, I can do more with the money I have, with the stature I have, with the social um, impact I have in my community, and do better, you know, and and help and help this cause, and you know, diminish it to a point where. Hopefully we can play our season. So I, I love seeing it. Yeah, so, and then, you know, I appeared on uh, Impact, what was that, two weeks ago, a week ago, wherever it was, and you were yeah. talking about the responsibility that these athletes have in, you know, p- politics, whatever it may be. Um, during this time, should athletes feel more of a duty to do these type of things? Do you think it's really up to... You know, do you, do you think do you think there should be a proper amount of, of pressure? Like, what's your opinion on that? Um, you know, I think I think pressure is added. You know, obviously, I mean, think about it. you look at L.A. You think of LeBron, you think of Kawhi, you think of you know the Wizards, you think of Bradley Beal and John Wall. You know, I th- and obviously, you know, when Mike Jordan was playing back in the day, you think oh Chicago, you think of MJ. You know, I think there is that applied pressure based on your social stature rising and increasing based on how well you've done in your field. But, you know, I don't think people should be, you know, pressured of, Oh, you know, do this on your, you know, you know, do this, do that for, you know, the common good or whatever. Um, However, I think they do have a say and a big say in in politics. For example, I mean, I forgot who said it, but someone, I mean, just, you know, telling people to vote, telling people to, you know, do your research, all that type, all that other type of stuff. I think it's big for athletes to, you know, obviously, I think it's every athlete not only plays basketball, but also, you know, has their own charity or does some sort of common good. But going beyond that, I think is another step athletes have to take as well. For example, like LeBron going into the political landscape, he, you know, endorsed Hillary. He's had political backlash before by, you know, Laura Ingram telling him to shut up and dribble. You know, it's stuff like that that prompts these types of things but for me i mean obviously if you don't know anything about it do your research you know uh that's the one knock i have against mike jordan you know telling you know he said he didn't really know much about politics and he didn't really know how to go about this whole thing if you don't want to pick one side or another do your research before you do you know it's not like oh you got to go into it right away we need to do this now no find the time granted i know find the time is a loose term in the nba not now but during the season find the time to do that research and, you know, show your support for the common good, you know? So um, is there pressure? Yes. But I think it's on players to, you know, notice what's going on in the communities and notice what's going on in the world and, you know, try and provide the change that's needed. Thanks, man. Wizards Junkies podcast brought to you by the Sports Post Podcast Network, man. Thank you so much for coming in. Or any last thoughts that you would like to share with the fan base? Um, pretty much. Um, thanks, Brooks, for ha- thanks, Brooks, for having me. You know, last um, 
I mean, next episode of, you know, the Impact Dean Evans, probably Monday or Tuesday, obviously recapping, you know, the, the last dance. And, man, every sports fan is going to be extremely sad when that ends. But, I mean, yeah, thanks for having me once again, man. I can't wait to have you on my, my podcast soon. And um, it's always fun. Always fun doing this, man. Oh, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, um, and practice social distancing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we are out. Bang.